there might be lots of good things happening, but they're not thought of and they're not planned out in a coordinated way. So again, I want to emphasize once you have, once you get going and you have a good idea of where some of the challenges are and, and some of the, where the, the gaps are in our capabilities, it's good to get everybody, all some key stakeholders in the room and, and sit in front of a whiteboard and map out how are we going to get there from here? What do we need to do early on to get some impact right away? And what are some of the things that are going to take take some time because we know our culture better than anybody? So how are we going to how are we going to plan that out? It gets the leaders to think through that. So you walk out of the room all aligned what needs to get done. And that roadmap becomes a communication tool where you're setting expectations. We're not going to boil the ocean in, in year one and two. We're going to we're going to get the basics in place. We're going to really good at some of the basics before we start adding some additional capabilities that might be needed longer term and as we scale this thing. Welcome to Innovation Talks. Join us weekly as we discuss with distinguished industry guests how to refine and improve corporate innovation and new product development. Hosted by Paul Heller, Sophion Chief Evangelist. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Hope you're having a great week out there and everybody's doing well and healthy and enjoying the, the fall season as we get into it. I've had the pleasure of a recurring guest, and every time he comes on, he shares some great stuff. And Noel Sobelman has done it again. He's written a really great article that we're going to talk about today. Noel, welcome back to the show. It's always fun to talk to you and see what's happening out there and kind of, you're just out there as a practitioner seeing so many things. So it's always good to get your insight. Yeah, that's, that's the fun of being a consultant. It never gets boring. And get to work in a variety of industries and every project's got its own challenges. So it's, uh, it keeps it interesting. There you go. Well, you wrote a, as I said, you wrote an article, the title of it is journey towards world-class innovation. You laid out five key steps to successful implementation. Tell me about kind of what you're trying to achieve with that paper. Yeah, there, there's been a lot written about innovation, of course, and a lot of it's around why innovate, the what's of innovation, you know, its benefits, the frameworks, the processes, the tools. I wanted to get into the how. How do you build transformative innovation or a new business innovation capability in an established organization? That's really difficult, and and a lot of companies have tried and failed, or they've they got had some success and they might backtrack. So I wanted to really dig into implementation of the capabilities that are needed. I use the example in the paper of companies that take more of a, a piecemeal approach. They might set up an innovation lab or you know, build a capability to, to test and validate ideas with customers, or they'll set up a, a governance structure or, or implement some collaboration tools. But what I've learned over the years, it's really, you'd really need to integrate all those capabilities. They, they kind of support and reinforce one another. So you kind of have to think about as a system with lots of moving parts. So how do you get there? And how do you, how do you get to that? And, and I purposely called article journey toward world-class innovation because we never really get, yeah. get there. You're always improving. So it really did dives down deep into the implementation side of things. And I just pulled out from my, my career and, and what I've learned over the years, I pulled out five keys to, to a successful implementation. Right. No, that's that's very appreciative and I think it's I think it's spot on. I really enjoyed you. You're taking a little bit different approach than just saying what it is. You know, I think everybody struggles with how how to do it. So we'll go into the five, but just list the five for us real quick here. What do you see as the five keys? 
There's more than that, of course, but five that kind of rose to the top for me are number one, building the case for change and then learning by doing. So in that section, I talk about how do you build the capability? There's a couple of alternatives that I'll, we can talk about and then creating the, the change roadmap or what is that blueprint for how do you get to that future state from where you are currently? And then there's leading the way. So the role of leadership, we all know that's important. So I talk about that. And then finally, how to sustain the momentum. What's the continuous improvement methodology so you get better year over year? So when, when companies have those five, those five aspects, those five areas in, in place that you're going to see more success. So I, I, that's just, just what I've learned over the years. Right, right. And so then kind of focusing on those areas, as you said, it's, it's the path towards world-class innovation. It's always a journey. Let's go through that first one then, building the case for change. Tell us about that. Yeah, a lot of companies, you know, they'll start an initiative, but what I suggest is you take a step back and, and make sure you communicate why. Why are we innovating? Is it because our product lines are reaching end of life and we need, we need a, a new engine for growth? Is it a productivity story? Is it because there's, there's some gaps or some white spaces in our target markets that we, we want to go after? So it's important to, to uh, answer that question and communicate what is our ambition and, and what is our, especially when you're, you're looking at building new sources of growth, you want to, create an ambition that's kind of overarching both the core business and the new businesses you're, you're creating for the future. So it can be a growth objective. That ambition can be a vision. We want to grow by, you know, three, four, five, five, five X over the next five years. But, but more often it's a, it's a purpose driven strategy that helps justify the need for both your core and your exploratory innovation capabilities. And I, in the paper, I list some examples of what I mean by a purpose-driven strategy. And, and many, many people have, have heard these, but I pulled some, some of the more interesting ones. So for example, you know, Tesla, you know, I, I think of Tesla, they build, they build EVs, they build cars. But, you know, if you look at their mission statement or their, their strategy, their overriding ambition is accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy. So there's a, there's a purpose there. I highlight moleskin, you know, I, you know, they, they create, you know, notepads and, but they, they don't say that they, they say we're going to sell products that contribute to the expansion and dissemination of, 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 of a culture and, and knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. The one I like the most though is, uh, is Fujifilm. It's, it's a great example of, you know, you can contrast Fujifilm with Kodak. And we, we all, we all know that story of what happened with analog film. In the early 2000s, Fuji Films, if you look at their ambition or their vision, it was to, we will use leading edge proprietary technology to provide top quality products and services that contribute to the advancement of culture, science, technology, and industry, and improve health and environmental protection in, in society. So there's a purpose there, and it goes beyond just what their, their cash cow was in film. So if you contrast that with Kodak around the year 2000, their mission statement was to be the world's leader in imaging. So it's it's a much more narrow focus. And we all know what happened to Kodak. So that's the point there. It's it's creating an ambition that ties together what, what our where where we're going, what the future needs to be, along with making sure you continue to accelerate present. 
Yeah, yeah. And that might change over time a little bit. I don't know. Maybe Tesla did say in the earliest days they had this view on sustainable energy, right? But maybe along their journey, they said, no, that's our real ambition, right? And so your strategic ambition could shift, could change, probably does change over, over time. So it's important to always have that lens of in front of you about what is that case, that business case of change. So a very good point there, Noel. So then uh, your second one was learning by doing. So let's dive into that one a little bit. Yeah. So especially with transformative innovation, it, it's really good to learn by actually setting up teams and beginning the work as opposed to a long drawn out process design activities, followed by training and rolling out. That doesn't work so well. The, the recommendation here, what I've learned here is to just start by kicking off a few innovation teams with real customer problems to solve, get them out of the building and get them to get them started. So, so for example, they might start validating the customer needs in, in your target mark opportunity areas. So um, get, get them conducting interviews, doing the job mapping, validating, running validation experiments and, and get them working. So it's more of a just in time. You might have some, some training just in time just to, to teach the fundamentals. But what I've found is it's best when they're applying these new methods and they're immediately begin using them. So the, the benefit of that is that they can quickly learn what works and doesn't work for their organization. So the teams will quickly find out where the the corporate barriers are and, and what enablers are needed for them to be successful and to produce their desired outcomes. So then you have, when they run into some of those corporate barriers, a good example of that might be, we want to go out and, and run experiments to validate this, this solution that we, we think has potential, but legal won't let us run an experiment because it's, it's not fully formed yet. It's so that's a barrier that you need to, you need to confront and deal with. So now you have some, a fact base to help you plan that journey okay, we want to do this. We know there's some proven tools that we want to, and processes that we want to go out and, and discover, incubate and scale new sources of growth. But in our organization, it's not so easy. We have some, we run into roadblocks. So what, find out what those roadblocks are. And then you can go to leadership and say, you know, we're getting some success, but we need your help. We need you to knock down some of these barriers and here's why if we're going to be successful. So instead of just talking theory or, or something you might, you know, pick up from academia, you're actually providing real evidence of where some of the challenges are if you're going to be successful. So learn, learn by doing has, has that advantage. And, and then over time, you can start layering some of the more advanced capabilities. Yeah, I like that. What it brings is, is the, kind of the the nimbleness of a startup right because startups don't spend a lot of time developing grandiose processes they just start going and established organizations tend to have a need to have more formal processes because they're so big there's just so many moving parts there's so many people so i like what you propose there it brings a brings a nimbleness that you see in startup back into the process so I like yeah, that. it really borrows from agile, yeah, the whole agile movement. And yeah. don't take forever to plan. Let's let's get out right. there and iterate and quickly learn what works and what doesn't work for, for our stakeholders. Great, great. Well, that brings us to number three, which I, I thought was really interesting, the, the change roadmap. I hadn't seen it depicted the way you were looking at it. So let's talk about that. Yeah, so... Change roadmap is really just a blueprint. It's a, it's a time phase plan that captures how are we going to get from current state 
close those capability gaps and get to that future state and then continuously improve beyond that. So captures both what can we do early on to get some quick wins and then and longer term, some of the longer term, more transformational changes that might take more time. It highlights the relative timing, the dependencies across the different initiatives, and it has a way of preventing you know isolated initiatives from popping up. I work with a lot of organizations where, especially large organizations, there might be lots of good things happening, but they're not thought of and they're not planned out in a coordinated way. So again, I want to emphasize once you have, once you get going and you have a good idea of where some of the challenges are and, and some of the, where the, the gaps are in our capabilities, it's good to get everybody, all but some key stakeholders in the room and, and sit in front of a whiteboard and map out how are we going to get there from here? What do we need to do early on to get some impact right away? And what are some of the things that are going to take take some time because we know our culture better than anybody? So how are we going to how are we going to plan that out? It gets the leaders to think through that. So you walk out of the room all aligned what needs to get done, and that roadmap becomes a communication tool where you're setting expectations. We're not going to boil the ocean in, in year one and two. We're going to we're going to get the basics in place. We're going to really good at some of the basics before we start adding some additional capabilities that might be needed longer term and as we scale this thing. So the thing that people were very interested in when I published this was this two by two I created that shows the direct impact of the capability versus the effort it took to get there. So trying to describe this on a podcast without a vision yeah, right. is challenging, but by direct impact, I mean, think of it about time to value. What is going to really move the needle and how quickly is it going to move the needle? That's that's one way to look at a cap- building a capability. And the other the other way is how much effort is it going to take? How long? How many resources? Is this something we can do right away or is it something that's going to, going to take months, if not years, to get really good at? So when you lay that out in a two by two, you end up with some of these capabilities you can fall into the high impact, low effort. Let's do those right away. Let's get some quick wins. Some examples of that that I've learned is empowered core teams, cross-functional teams with strong team leadership. If you can get that project execution excellence with a, a team structure that's agile, you can start to see some, some quick wins earlier. And then maybe setting up the governance of that and putting in some innovation accounting or learning metrics. So those are some things that might fall in the quick win quadrant. Now when you when you look at things that'll take longer to not that they're not that they're bad, but it just takes longer to get the impact, but they're definitely going to have high impact, you get into things like that are more transformational. So things like portfolio management, processes and tools, resource management. One of the things that I, I've learned where you're going to get the highest direct impact, but it's not, it's something that you have to put some effort into is customer insights and really understanding customer needs. So building the capabilities to do some of those things. We all know those are very important for an innovation system, but we just have to recognize that it's going to take longer. So, so that falls in that transformative category and certainly culture and behavior change fits in that category making changes and improvements in in the culture and and creating those safe spaces and changing mindsets that does that's not something that happens overnight we all know that but it's important to drive change and and to create new sources of growth new new, new businesses for an organization what i like about this 
Noel, and people definitely should look at the paper, but also the reason I, I would bring you into a company if I was wanting to do this is because you've thought about, well, what are those items? Yeah, culture is an item. Leveraging your core assets is an item. Having a coach is an item. Whatever those things are. And then you've plotted them on this two by two. But but that's where the fun is, right? We can look at our own company, each of ourselves, and say, do we agree? Do we think that dot maybe is easier or harder? Is it going to have more impact or less impact? So then we kind of shift them around. And this becomes then a map for us to pursue. And you can't, you know, if there's 15, 12, 15 dots on this map, you can't do them all at once. You don't want to do them all at once. So how do you make progressive improvement across the map? So it's, it's, it's a really neat exercise. And I don't have to do a lot of thought. It's a great starting point for a discussion. And yeah. having that alignment and thinking this through, that be, then it becomes an input for, okay, now that we've thought about what things are we going to get the immediate impact and what, you know, what, what things are going to take more effort and more resources, then we can sit down and look at laying out that time-phased plan on what, what we do first, second, and third, year one, two, and three in that, on that journey. So it's a real, it becomes a real good input. And you're exactly right. Every company is going to be different. And this is one of those things where the value is in the conversation. You know, we, we typically show up with some benchmarks um, where we, we kind of look at like my, my company, Excel Management Group. We've been doing this for over 20 years now. So we have our benchmark database from the clients we've worked with over the years, but we use that as a more of a starting point. And like you say, every company's different. They're going to have different culture and different, different, different capabilities that they need to tackle different performance gaps. So it really does level set the conversation and it's a good precursor to that road mapping activity. Yeah. Well, that takes us to number four, I guess, which is about leadership. So give us your thoughts on that one. Yeah, you can argue that creating new growth businesses is one of the most important things a CEO can do to, for the long-term success of their company, right? So leadership's role is to create that environment, to drive the growth agenda, to model the behaviors, to kind of walk the talk, removing those ob obstacles that the teams run into, especially early on, and just and just provide that that visible support for the initiative. So, you know, they're the ones that establish that growth ambition that we talked about, and they 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 need to make explicit the strategic opportunity areas or where are we going to play and where we're not going to play is just as important. So we have that focus around when we're out there looking for opportunities. We're not all over the map. We focus in on some key strategic opportunity areas. And and there's going to be tension between the core and exploratory businesses. We know that. They're competing for resources, especially uh, resources for the next quarter are going to win out every time over these longer term growth engines that you're trying, new growth engines that you're trying to create. So that's going to create tension. And it's really, that needs to be confronted confronted at the highest levels of the organization. So that's leadership's role as well. And then in addition to allocating the resources, making sure that when times get tough, you're not you're not killing some of the future of your business. So you're allocating resources appropriately based on your strategy. So you have that alignment and something that's a dynamic process that the PPM tools, of course, help with. What do we need today versus longer term? And how do we make sure we're not horse trading resources back and forth and killing our productivity? Where are the bottlenecks downstream that we need to be proactive and, and, and address early on? So leadership needs to not only allocate investment, but also make sure that our scarce resources are appropriately allocated to the highest value projects. And that changes over time and, and 
it needs to be revisited over time. And just to, you know, the, the last thing I'll say about leadership is just they just need to continually combat that tendency towards complacency complacency or, or backsliding. So a lot of a lot of effort goes into creating this new way of working. So it just requires that that diligence and that reminding every people, everybody of the why, why we're doing this and continually measuring the right performance indicators and, and, and driving that continuous improvement. And then when you start to see some success, just you know rallying that and, and making sure that you're you're playing that as a leader, playing that role and making sure people understand that this is a journey and we're going to get better every year. Yeah, it's absolutely a critical key activity, key need. And you're right. I mean, you just got to keep as a leader over and over and over again. You can't stop. You can't say, okay, I've done that. Everybody understands it. Everybody's marching forward. We're good. No, it doesn't end that way. You have to keep, keep on it. You're absolutely right about that. It's a, it's a continual process. That's a great transition. It's, it's a continual process. So the fifth one is sustaining that momentum. So, you really need that continuous improvement mi- mindset. You might start with the fundamentals, demonstrate some early success, build your building m- momentum, but you need to be you know, willing to evolve as you learn and layer in some of those advanced processes and tools over time. You know, so that's, I'm a strong believer in metrics and establishing a baseline for performance metrics and also process ad- adoption metrics. And then setting year-over-year improvement targets and and driving that year-over-year improvement. So having a a process for continuous improvement and and making sure that you're looking at what's continuing to look at what's working, what's not working. So organizations can only absorb so much change at once. So you need to make sure that you're monitoring the pace of change and making sure you're not burning out the organization, but you also want to make sure you're not backsliding as well, like, like we talked about. So just keeping that going and and making sure that the key stakeholders are are involved in making those improvements. People tend to, or they're more likely to adopt these changes if they're the ones that are designing the new, new way of working. So make sure you're involving the right people along the way is a, is a is a key part of adoption and, and implementation success. Yeah, and it sure is a lot easier to keep it moving to get it started moving, right? So once it's moving, yeah, just keep it moving, keep it nudging. I think the the map we talked about, the the change roadmap is a great example to just always how am I guiding the organization through that? How are we marching towards the things we want to do there as well as the types of innovation we're doing, the products we're doing, the processes, all of it. So I think it it's a nice bow on the on the whole thing. Yeah, one of the things, Paul, when I when I posted this on this article on LinkedIn, a lot of people said, "Well, what order? What's the right order? Mm. What's one, two, three, four, and five? And and my answer to that, it, unfortunately, it really depends on the organization. You know, I really believe. You know, a lot of people say, "Well, shouldn't you start with leadership?" And that's you know, leadership has to be bought in, and they have. And what I've learned is that fact base that we talked about. If we get started with a few teams and they they understand and they start demonstrating some early successes, but just as importantly, finding out where the barriers are, then you can go to leadership with that fact base and say, here's what's working. There's some there's some high potential new opportunities that we've identified, but here's some blockers that are getting in the way and we need your help. So a lot of this is happening in parallel. There's no one, two, three, four, five. You have to really, and that's part of the road mapping exercise. You have to really think through what's the what are the things we need to tackle early on versus what can be done in parallel and what are some of the, the things that we need to push off because we're just not, we just don't have the capacity to take it on. So 
that's you know there's no real magic order to 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 these these five but that's that's my response to that it really depends on the organization and 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 nobody knows the organization better than the, you know the people the people that work there need to help think through that yeah well said well said and you've always been a proponent of yeah, evidence you've used that in in that technique in many things you've done so i like how you you weave that into this example of getting started and then building that evidence and then when you go back to leadership you have those facts right because the worst thing is to to just try to go based on assumptions and gut feel because it it doesn't get anywhere good leaders see that right away and kind of call you on it the methodology for validating solutions if they're truly solving problems is all about let's go out let you know let's go out and instead of just asking customers what they think let's see what they do what what behavioral evidence let's run experiments and let's actually measure what they are doing as proof that we're on the right track. So the same thing applies when you're rolling out a new initiative. Let's get the evidence that we're 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 attacking the the things that are the the biggest barriers for our our particular organization. So kind of eating your own dog food there by by applying that that evidence strength to exactly. to the implementation efforts as well. Yeah. Well, did we cover it? Did I miss anything? I think we we did a pretty good overview of it, didn't we? Yeah, I think so. Those are the the highlights and and you know people can can Take a look at the the actual article I posted it on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago. So we take a look at that, and, and you know, please please add your your lessons learned over the years. And uh, I'm, I love learning from others. So if you can you know, if you can add to the comments and give your point of view, that would be that would be great. Yeah, and uh, we'll put a, we'll make sure we put a link in it in, in the show notes. But it, it's out there on your feed. If they just search for you, they'll find it. September 20th was the date you published it. So that might help people zoom in on it. So Noel, thanks for coming to share that with us. You know, you're always out there. I always want to ask you the question of, of maybe what's new or what's, what's share something that you've seen lately. It's, it's always fun to hear. Do you have any stories? Yeah, I've been working with a client, you know, they, they've been around for going on a hundred years and they, they're like many companies, they're going through this transition. We used to make you know, these complex systems, but more, and we'd sell them to our, to our customers, but more and more their, their systems are becoming intelligent solutions where they're taking on different business models and there's more digital enablement in their solutions. And so they're learning how to become more agile. So they have software and hardware in their solutions and these complex systems. So the challenge for them is how do we be both agile and how do we, you know, agile is all about self-directed teams, less of command and control, like we, we, our history showed us. So they're, they're undergoing this shift from traditional command and control, very centralized leadership to empowered teams that are running agile processes. And so I'm helping them put in the, the mechanisms to make that effective, kind of a hybrid approach to development where you, you, you still need those business-driven decision makers to come in at certain points of a program, ask, ask themselves a the question, is it still worth investing in another phase of development for this new solution? But at the same time, you've got, you know, you've got teams that want to just be self-directed. So you, how do you find the right balance? How do you have both in order to deliver successful solutions? And, you know, so it's, it's been, I think a lot of companies are going through that Absolutely. With, with this shift to to more intelligent solutions 
with more more of a software component, continuous release software. So it's no, you know, so moving away from waterfall towards more of an agile approach, but you're not, you still need some of the, the elements of a gated development process. That's right. So doing both at the same time, um, and how do you do that effectively? Yeah, well, that's fun work. I know a lot of companies are in that transition in some phase, and a lot of people looking for answers. So keep up the good work out there. Have fun with it. Thanks, Paul. All right, Noel. Well, thanks for joining us. Have a have a good week ahead. It's just the beginning of the week for you and I. So uh, again, really appreciate you stopping by and sharing some of your your learnings and experience. My pleasure. Thanks, Paul. Take care, Noel. And to your listeners out there, thanks for joining us. It's always great when uh, somebody like Noel stops in and it just shares his insights with us. So I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I wish you all a great week ahead. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week for Innovation Talks with Paul Heller. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For additional information on today's topic, check out sophion.com, S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com, where you will find plenty of innovation-centric content and corporate best practices. If you'd like to discuss anything with Paul or would like to get in touch with the show, email us at talks at sophion.com.